Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I am fresh off vacation, one day removed. I got a guy with me today that's also fresh off a couple days of rest and relaxation, but we're both ready to go. It's Bobby Regan, Barstool Regs, as many of you might know him on Twitter, the now full-time employee at the largest growing sports media entertainment company in the country, BarstoolSports.com. Riggs, welcome in, and uh, congratulations on the new gig, man. Thanks, man. It's a uh, it's definitely weird being full time and and just trying to live up to the sense of being a full time blogger where I forget to shower in the morning, like <laughs> wait till like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like, oh yeah, I should probably do that. Oh yeah, I don't have to go into an office anymore. So, uh, do you have do you have pants on of any kind right now? I, I I'm I'm strictly basketball shorts. Yeah, and yeah. I am. I'm at this. I'm at the point where I get mad if I have to put on shorts with a belt. <laughs> like I don't want to wear a belt ever. And like I just so if if you are listening to this and have access to your team's basketball shorts, send them to me. I will wear them every day. <laughs> I, I I do want to commend you. Uh, an excellent draft day show that uh, the uh, the insanity of barstool sports and working with those guys. Uh, to be able to pull that off is it can't be an easy thing, especially two guys as funny as as Tyler and, and Coley. Well, not only that, but then Roan. so I would say Roan Big was guy. unexpected. Yeah, like the Roan sitting there was was not planned. Like it was planned that um, it, it was planned that guys were going to come and and talk about their team and you know a couple of minutes here and there, and then I mean Roan's just a basketball fan. And he was just like, hey, can I just sit here and, and shoot it with you guys? We're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, not a problem. So that was like and, – and it added just a cool a cool side piece because he was kind of sitting on the side almost like a moderator. <laughs> so you had him and then the three of us idiots in the middle. And then you had – I mean the guys behind the scene, Devlin and, and Jeff Lowe and some of the other guys who did all like the graphics and producing. Man, I've never seen – and I know people like – don't believe Barstool people work hard. I've never seen anybody in my life work harder than those guys. And, I mean, and they were there from for for weeks putting together the graphics and filming all the skits and then editing it all and, and then getting all the packages lined up. So when player X was drafted, it was, you know, a seamless transition into it. Then they had to go everything on the fly because you never know what's going to happen during the night. Rowan, I don't know for our listeners that aren't Barstool guys. Uh, you should be for one and two. Roan is uh, Adam Farone, who is a a world champion battle rapper, and for my money, maybe the smartest dude in that entire building. He's up there. I mean, there. I I will say this: that there are just incredibly smart people there, and that's it's the one takeaway I had meeting everybody in person. It's like, oh no, like you're just a genius. <laughs> like it, it, it it's kind of like that. And Roan, I mean, the dude is just so quick on his feet. Yeah, he's a battle rap champion. I, that uh, that that kind of goes with the territory. And if you've never seen some of his battle raps, go watch because he just eviscerates people. It, it's... And you would you would never. And he's the nicest guy in the world, <laughs> like the nicest guy in the world. But uh, let's let's get into some. We were gonna do. We talked about doing this. Uh, we tried to make it work before we went on vacation, uh, but couldn't. Uh, too much stuff. Too many moving parts. So. Uh, the, the, the gist of this was going to be Jacob Evans and Gary Clark and, and the draft from, uh, about 10 days ago. And then last night in the midst of LeBron James announcing that he was going to the Lakers, 
it suddenly drops that now Lance Stevenson signs. This is the old, they call it the room exemption now. I think I saw, this is the old mid-level exemption, right? He signs for $4.5 million for a year. And uh, we get a full season of Lance Stevenson playing with LeBron James, which to me is one of the greatest things ever. You also get him with LeVar Ball. Yeah. Like, it's 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 the, it's the perfect. Like it, And the fact that it's in Los Angeles, like, it, it had to be either there or New York. Like, I, I'm kind of upset it's not in New York, just not only as a Knicks fan, but as the – like, Stevenson would absolutely tell LeBron, like, that's his team because it's his city. Right. <laughs> and I'm upset we don't get to see that. But I am excited for Lance and LeBron. And, and then, like, this, the signing made sense from a purely basketball standpoint. Yeah. Like – the the thing with LeBron is the best players for him from like a guard level are the three and D point guards, which you don't hear a lot. You hear three and D wings, but you know you look at a guy like Josh Hart. Like to me, Josh Hart is going to be the best player to put with LeBron from what the Lakers currently have. Like he's not the best player on that team, but he's the best with LeBron because he's a secondary ball handler, good spot up shooter, and then can, is versatile defensively. Well, Lance, secondary ball handler versatile defensively and he can kind of create for himself a little bit he's not you know he's not going to kill you shooting but he can kind of create for himself so he kind of fits that role especially defensively for a team like LeBron you know with LeBron and the whole goal being we need to beat the Warriors right so uh, but it's the fact that the two of them I'd love to know what the meeting was like yeah because they don't like each other no and that had to be set up like before LeBron signed like because it came out, what, 30 minutes after the news hit that LeBron signed? Yeah, it was like within an hour. So, I mean, it was it was obviously orchestrated beforehand. Like, the Lakers weren't going to sign Lance if LeBron wasn't okay with it. That was not going to happen. Right. Yeah, there was definitely – I mean, Magic was in LeBron's house. Right. So, there was definitely conversations about – I mean, everyone wants to talk about whether they're trading for Kawhi or whether they're – Gonna you know resign Julius Randle, whatever you know, go sign Demarcus Cousins. It's also these pieces like Javale McGee and Contavious Caldwell Pope and Lance Stevenson that LeBron is made aware of. So that's what's. Uh, I, I I I just want to know like what was said during that, that meeting. Like, right. How did you get him on board? Go get Lance. Like it, I I can't imagine LeBron. Th- uttering those words but obviously it was he was he okayed it and you have to think like as much of an agitator as Lance was towards LeBron there's potential that we're going to get Lance versus Draymond Green yeah in the playoffs yeah i mean or him with the against any of the rockets yeah like there there's a lot of intrigue from the west in terms of like personality wise like Lance is a personality Draymond's a personality you know, Paul and Harden are person. There's so many personalities now at West. Even like, think like the Suns, like this up and coming now young team. Go sign Trevor Ariza. Lance versus Ariza is going to be entertaining. Yeah, it's funny too. Like, it, I think Lance has a an incorrect reputation because I, I think people see him as like I see him compared to J.R. Smith a lot. Lance's basketball IQ is incredibly high. He's a he's a goof. And you never know what, you know, shenanigans he might pull. But on the court, the guy is is way ahead of the curve in terms of 
knowing what to do and the right play to make and 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 how to make things happen. He just is a weird dude with a weird personality. Yeah, it's the, he's kind of the opposite of Jr. Right? Like Jr. Right. is more calm, kind of off the court, especially lately. Like it's he makes the bonehead mistakes during the play, as we all know from Game right. One. But Jr. isn't gonna, you know, he's not pulling those antics anymore that he was known for when he was younger. And now it's, you know, Lance is the opposite way. I, I, it's so fascinating in so many different levels uh, to to see Lance and LeBron together in Los Angeles playing for Magic Johnson. And uh, I can't possibly – it seems like five years ago, maybe five to seven years ago, everybody talked about how the NFL had cornered the market on the offseason. They dominated the offseason, the, the coverage, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm ready for the NBA. It's, it's July 2nd. I'm ready for the NBA to start tomorrow, and it just ended. Like, they well, the, dominate the, the offseason. Right, so what the NBA has done – like they're not they don't dominate in season because you are dealing with the NFL and college football during, you know, the the first half of your year and then you have March Madness, you know, kind of dominates March. So the, people don't really care about the NBA regular season as much just because it gets buried with all that other stuff. They dominate from post NFL draft through like August where it's just, you know, you have the playoffs, the NBA Finals, the draft, and the offseason. They've dominated that. And it's it's kind of fascinating to watch that they've taken these, you know, four and a half months and being like, no, th- these are all th- – this is us. And it's it's led to the conversation of should they start the season later. But I kind of like it. Like the offseason would get buried if it's during NFL and, and college football. Yeah, and, and they've allowed their, persona- their players to be personalities. Yeah, and they, they've done a better – they do the best job of marketing their stars uh, out of all the leagues. Like, the NFL doesn't do a great job. Baseball right. absolutely does not do a great job. Otherwise, we wouldn't – everyone who would know Mike Trout. Name one thing about Mike Trout. Right. He's an, he's an Eagles fan. Right. Like, like, we don't know anything about Mike Trout. Right. And, and I mean, baseball just does a terrible job with it. Football does an okay job. You know, you know, but, again, it's always tougher with football because you're wearing helmets. Like, your face yeah. is covered. Basketball, they let them be personalities. They absolutely market the hell out of their stars. And they just let them, you know, they know when to rein them in, but also when to, like, just go ahead, do your thing. So you mentioned the draft. Let's get into it. Uh, Jacob Evans drafted 28th by the Golden State Warriors. One, if you're a player and you get drafted by Golden State, like, you just hit the lottery. Because you're probably going to win a title or two in your rookie contract. Yeah, it's one of the, like the three teams that you're like, okay, no matter what, I'm excited about. It's like them. You're even like the Spurs with Popovich. You're still excited about that, or you know, if you get if you get drafted by like uh, the Celt. LA. I would say, well, the Celt and, and the Rockets. Yeah, and now LA, but I, and now LA. But going into going into the draft, there was like you know three or four teams. You're like, hey, if I get drafted by this team, I'm pretty thrilled. Yeah, I'm going to win. I, I, right. I'm going to win a lot. And for Evans. It's a good, it's a great fit, really. I think because he does, he, he fits into the way that they play, fits into their system. I think one thing that people overlook about Golden State, everybody sees the great offense, and it just doesn't get talked about that they're like number one or number two in defense every year. They are elite defensively, and Jacob Evans gives them another big wing that that can defend multiple positions, that can be a secondary ball handler. 
that has shown he can shoot the jump shot, and he just he fits well with what they do across the board. Yeah, the the you you mentioned it exactly with Golden State. They have three elite defenders. When you look at Draymond and Clay Thompson, are two of the best defenders in all of basketball, and Kevin Durant is a phenomenal defender. Like people just don't realize it because again, you see Durant putting up you know forty points, and right. and, and everyone knows he's you know arguably the best offensive player in, in basketball history, where he's also pretty good defensively. And, you know, yeah, Evans fits the role there. You know, I thought there were three teams that made sense for Evans um, all in the same range where you look at either uh, Golden State, Philly at 26 and Portland at what were they? 23. Yeah. Those are the three teams that I thought made all the sense for Evans. And it, when he when he when Philly passed on him, it was like, OK, Golden State, like everyone knew Golden State was taking him. He, he had a guarantee from Golden State that. They didn't, you know, the, it wasn't out there, but the, it was, especially after that last workout, he goes in, Draymond watches, and then goes to um, the GM and, and says, go get this kid. Like, I think that's huge because that guy is the voice of your team. Right, especially from the defensive standpoint. Yeah, and like, that, that's what he was talking about. This guy knows how to play defense, knows how to rotate, knows the things that we do is going to come fairly easy to him. I want him go get him from there. It made all the sense in the world. Yeah. That another thing is, is this is a big win for, for Cronin. Yeah. Because now he has, Hey, look, I had this kid who wasn't, you know, wasn't a five-star. It's not like Evans was expected to be a five, you know, first round right. pick or anything like that. Hey, look, you know, he, you know, we were able to help, you know, get the most out of him. And he was a, a first round pick to to Golden State. Like, what's better than that? Except for going, like, number one. Right. I, I also think, to add on to that, I think the things that were said about why Evans was attractive is how Cronin can use that. It, you know, yeah. he can defend. He can, you know, he's versatile. He's a good kid. He Like, all the things that Cronin looks for for guys in his program, he can now elevate a little bit and say, these are the things that the best teams in the NBA are looking for, and my program produces players that fit that mold. And I think that's a huge recruiting tool. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's it's what you and I know people don't like to hear that because it's well, why doesn't he win then? You know, I I obviously hear it a lot as a Kentucky grad with Calipari, where it's like, well, how come he only has one title then? It's like, well. He's still taking guys, you know, when you look at someone like a Shea Gilgis Alexander, he's still taking someone who's not expected to be a first rounder and turns him into a lottery pick. And now Cronin has that with with Evans, who by he's gonna have a good year. Yeah. He's gonna have a good rookie year. Well and that's that's only gonna help. They're talking about going the Spurs route and resting guys a lot because let's face it, this is year five of them being in the finals. Right. Like right. those guys have a ton of wear and tear. Well, on and their some bodies. played, and some played in the Olympics. Right. So, you know, you're looking at there's going to be nights that Steph sits. There's going to be nights that Clay sits. There's going to be nights that KD sits. Iguodala sits. Iguodala I mean, that's, sits. Yeah. That's who Evans should be looking at. Yeah. Evans does not need to look at Clay Thompson. Evans needs to look at Andre Iguodala. Yeah. But I just mean in terms of like there, there's going to be minutes on yeah. those nights where those guys are sitting down. And he's got the opportunity to take advantage of some of those minutes and and get himself you know a decent amount of run um, as they're going through the regular season. And 
you never know. Maybe that gets them up to speed. I mean, they we've seen in the past they do a great job getting their 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 draft picks up to speed and ready to go to help them out when they need them. The other thing they the Warriors do well is they do a, a great job with their G League team. Yeah. And there's a chance that Evans spends some time in the G League just because it's a numbers game. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. And and Evans is a guy that I mean, everyone listening knows he, you know, he who he is as a as a person. He's someone who won't get mad about that right. and will learn from, you know, when you look at a guy like Quinn Cook and what he was able to do at the G League and make his way up. And Patrick McCall spent some time at the G League. Like, if that happens, don't be mad about it. Like, if you're a fan, like, they're doing this for a reason. Right. And it's going to be because he's going to be playing time late in the year. Like, Evans is going to be on that second second team. Yeah, he might not be getting a ton of run, especially in the playoffs when the when – the, um, Rotation gets shortened, but we've seen Golden State be willing to adjust in the playoffs, right? Like, JaVale McGee started in the NBA Finals. He didn't play in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, they're going to so, play to the matchups and play to their right. what's to their advantage. And that's why I think Evans, that's why I think it's a great fit for Evans is because he's kind of matchup proof in the sense of there's always someone out there that he can guard. Yeah. It's not completely. like, you know, he's not, he's not a point, he's not a big, like, being a wing in today's NBA, especially if you can, if you are a decent shooter, as long as Evans doesn't stink shooting the ball this year, he's going to be playable. Yeah, at all times. Yeah, and especially he can switch. I mean, I think that in right. the NBA now, that is one of the biggest deals in terms of can a guy get on the floor? Is can he switch to pick and roll? Can he? Can he for ten seconds? handle somebody's power forward, you know, hanging out in the corner or, or pick and pop or what, you know. And, and Jacob has the this, this size and the athleticism and the strength to do those things. Yeah, and, and I think he fits in well with that second team when you look at Sean Livingston. Even mm-hmm. if they re-sign Patrick McCall. Like, you look at, like, Livingston, McCall, Evans, Jordan Bell. Like, that's a fun second unit. Yeah. And they got some guys that can go. And McCall's interested. Is he restricted this year? Restricted free um, agent. He th- is unrestricted. I thought he had one no, more he's restricted. restricted. Yeah, he's yeah. restricted. Yeah. So he'll probably yeah. be back this year, but then his contract expires after this year, and that's a situation where because they pay so much to the other guys, they're probably not going to be able to pay six, eight, ten million dollars a year for Patrick McCall. Yeah, like you, they might lose McCall if a team comes like. We've seen the Nets do this the last couple of years. They did, they did it with Otto Porter and Alan Crabb where they threw a ridiculous offer and essentially forced the other team to spend all their money matching. So uh, we might see a team do that with McCall because he is young enough and, and has shown signs of success that don't be surprised if that happens. And I, I just love the fit for Evans. Like I said, there's three teams that I really thought Evans would fit in well with. He went to... I don't know if arguably the best fit, but the best team out of the three, clearly. Yeah, and and still a really good fit, whether it's the best fit or not. It it made the, it made a lot of sense, and there was a reason that Bob Myers was there for a game in Cincinnati, and that they had a scouts check him out four times, and they had him there the day of the parade, and they had him there the day before the draft. Like there was, they had a huge target on Jacob Evans, and and they were able to get him and pull the trigger. So uh, a good start for him, and and hopefully. A, a long, uh, prosperous NBA career with a couple rings for Jacob Evans. The other one being Gary Clark. Um, two-way deal with Houston. 
And for those that don't know how the two-way deal works, it's essentially a high-dollar G League contract where he gets about seventy seventy-five thousand dollars for his season in the G League, and then he can spend up to forty-six days in the NBA. I think the number is forty-five. Forty-five days in the NBA yeah. and make what two hundred and fifty, two hundred forty thousand. And his, yep. if he spends the full amount of time in the NBA, uh, he would end up making about $350,000 for the year. Uh, and for an undrafted guy, um, it, it was pretty clear with Gary that he was going to go to one of those uh, quality teams. Like, he, he's not a fit for a team that's rebuilding. Because there's not no, a ton of upside no. with Gary. Like, Yeah, no, you know who he is. Yeah. He, he's, he's older. You know, it's not like he's coming out after his freshman year where um, – I don't know what he can prove, improve on. Like he's just kind of who he is, right? Like, and that's what that's what makes sense about a playoff team signing yeah. Clark to a two way deal. And I'll tell you what, two way deal not too bad. If you got to make seventy five thousand dollars your first year out of college, ain't too shabby. And and you don't have to go <laughs> to like Finland to do it. Right, right. I I think the two way deal I think is a huge step in the progression of the, the American players staying home and not yes. facing that challenge. Because I don't think people un- grasp that, you know, that like the max contract in the G league coming into this year was like $26,000. And that was, if you were getting the max, like a lot of those guys were making 17, $19,000 where they've, the, oppor- they've upped it this year. It's yeah. Now it's up, up to 35. Like, right. Which still like, okay. Like at least yeah. that's livable. Right. Like, especially if you're a young kid, but the alternative a lot of those guys faced was going to somewhere, you know, a, a, a decent team in Europe and making sixty, seventy five thousand dollars $75,000, not having any expenses because they house you and pay for everything over there. It was a, it was a difficult decision for a lot of guys, you know, and I, I'll bring up Sean Kilpatrick here. I know it was one that he was steadfast and he was going to make the, the dirt poor G league money because he was hell bent on making it to the NBA. There's a lot of guys that, hey, my family needs money. My mom, you know, needs this. My brothers need this. I got to go over there and make that money. It's a tough choice. And now it's not nearly as difficult a choice for American players to stay home, go to the G League, and try to get their shot at the NBA from there. Yeah, and I think they're doing a great job. I mean, I've heard pros and cons to the two-way deal, which there are from a player-agent standpoint, yeah. but from a – Hey, this gives me a chance to stay at home. You know, maybe you have a young kid that you don't want to bring overseas or you can't, you know, you don't want to leave anything like that where, Hey, I can stay home and, and be around my family and, and take a risk on myself. And the two way deals are nice because you get to train with the, the NBA team. You make enough money to where it's not going to, you know, put you in debt or anything like that. Right. And it's, it, it, it made all the sense for Clark. He, he's the prototypical two-way deal type player. Yeah, and and getting that with Houston. And it's interesting because a lot of times guys end up somewhere that they had no idea, like that that's where they were going to end up. But with both Jacob and Gary, Golden State had shown Jacob the most attention. Houston had shown Gary the most attention. Um, and that's where both of those guys end up. That doesn't happen nearly as often as people think it does. No, because you never know. Like a team might come in and say, "Hey, hey, we want to sign you to this two-way deal where we're going to guarantee you this much in the 
in the uh, time in the NBA, yeah. right? Like, hey, we'll, we'll guarantee you 15 days where another team will come in and just say, hey, we're interested in a two-way deal. No guarantees outside of that. Right. So you never know. And, you know, maybe – or you never know who's going to get drafted, right? Like a team – let's just say, you know, let, let's use the Rockets because that's where Clark went. Let's say the Rockets took two players similar to Clark or players similar to Clark. Well, maybe they're not interested in signing him to a two-way deal anymore. Right. Like, it, you just never know who's going to fall in the draft or anything like that. And, you know, teams, especially teams competing, need to be a little more picky about, okay, we're not just going to take best player available. We're going to take what fills the hole that we that we have the most. Like, you know, hey, we need to add wing depth. Well, let's just sign two wings to two-way deals. Yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen. And, and that's why it's rare to see this work out for the two Cincinnati kids. With Gary, um, the one thing that, that tr- always translates, and, and you'll hear this from anybody you talk to in basketball, rebounding translates. All the other stuff, it, it can be – like we knew Kevin Durant was going to score in the NBA. But like for most guys, especially at that level, the one skill you know that's going to translate is rebounding. And, and Gary Clark just has an understanding and a feel for, for going to get the basketball off the glass that's really going to help him going forward. Yeah, it's just a matter of how does that fit in with Houston. Right. And and maybe it doesn't fit in with Houston. Maybe he only spends a few days and you know doesn't get picked up by the Rockets. And but so, but it, you know he plays well enough in the G League that somebody else you know signs him to a deal or or is interested in, in possibly trading for him. You know it's part of a, a trade piece. Um, so it's yeah it, it it makes all the sense. And I'm curious to see how Clark does translate to the NBA because like you said he does have that skill set. I think he's fine defensively. He's versatile enough defensively yeah. to make him interesting. The question is, what can he do offensively at the NBA? The good news for him is he shot the three at a pretty high clip. Now it was yep. he was never creating shots for himself from three, but he was able to spot shoot. And by the time he was a senior, if he got a clean look, you were pretty sure it was going in. Yep, and the, that's just the question: is was that a one year thing, or does yep. that end up being is that a, end up being who he is for the foreseeable future? So. Those two guys end up in fantastic situations, situations that uh, if I'd have told you at the beginning of the season that that they were both going to be in the NBA, Gary with Houston and Jacob with Golden State, I think you would have taken that. I, I mean, you'd be dumb not to. Right. Um, <laughs> I wanna, now, I wanna, here, here's the thing, though. I got a question for you okay. from a, a not a Cincinnati fan standpoint, but for you guys being Cincinnati fans. Will fans look back on this year now with even more – kind of regret about how the NCAA tournament happened when you look and see, yeah, hey, we have a first-round pick. You know, we have two for sure NBA players, possibly more, and we couldn't go further. One, I think it's how it happened. That's always going to... That'll always be the first thing, sure. Yeah, and two, I think the biggest thing was, and, and as a Kentucky guy, you get this as well, everything broke right. Like, it was all there for the taking yeah, right. to... to Especially like, you know, Kentucky loses to Kansas State and Kentucky after the first day of games, it looked like, wow, Kentucky really has got a chance to to come out of this thing. Yeah, no matter who, no matter who advanced. Right. And then Kentucky goes down and and Cincinnati's sitting there in that position of if we win this game, we've got a run ahead of us, possibly. And then you're up 22 with with 12 minutes left, 10 minutes left. And to see it evaporate like it did is is 
it, it's a hard one to get over. Like uh, my guy Justin Berg still is, is he's made. He, I think he's tweeted once since the game. <laughs> like that's tough. Uh, the guy's as diehard as anybody you'll ever see. I like I, we rode home together, and that was the most depressing car ride from Nashville to Cincinnati that I've ever experienced in my life. Because he was like literally devastated, like crushed, and I wasn't in the best mood either. And that was not a fun car ride. It was not a good time. So, um, but that gets to something that you just talked about a little bit earlier that kind of drives me nuts about where college basketball is at. And I, and I didn't plan this topic, but it, it, we've talked about it. We've hinted around it twice. Cincinnati tied the record for school wins in a season. And it's going to go down as a season that's a disappointment. Right. And that's right. crazy to me. It's because everyone just it's talks about the NCAA tournament. I know. Yep. And, it, like, I get it. I get that that's, that's the – I mean, to go back to Kentucky, think about – 38 and 1 is yeah. a disappointing year. That was a bad year. Right. Like it's they lost in the semifinal. They lost in the final right. four and that's a right. bad. It it, it like it, the 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 basis of it drives me crazy because for me and I, I know it's different for me because I'm around the guys and I I know the guys and I have gotten to develop relationships with them from recruiting to being on campus to you know after their careers I still communicate with a lot of them. Um to think that the the most wins, the season with the most wins in school history is going to be thought of as a failure. I just can't get my brain around it because it was such a fun ride. Like that win at Wichita State, you know, where where Nizier Brooks shuts down Connor Frankamp with the game yep. on the line. Like winning the AAC tournament. Like those things, that should be like a, a sense of pride for fans in the way that, that, that this team played. Not only this year. They won 30 last year. They've won 61 games in the last two seasons. And because they didn't make it out of the first weekend, both of those teams are seen as as a failure. And that it drives me nuts. Like, I get it. I understand why. I know why fans feel that way. And especially with the disappointment of blowing that 22-point lead. Like, I get it. But it just, for me, it's frustrating because, you you know, I'm sure you look back at that 38-1 team like, man, that team was unbelievable, but they'll never get the respect that they deserve because they didn't finish the job or they didn't, you know, they didn't go to the point well, that everybody thought they should. And the same thing is you look at who advanced. Like, Wisconsin was a, a – a, Kentucky was a good matchup for Wisconsin. Duke was a good matchup for Kentucky. Like, that Duke team yeah. would not have matched up well against Kentucky. And you look – and that's, I think, what kills Kentucky fans is, you know – a, the way they lost the game to Wisconsin, and then B, you sit there and go, that uh, that Duke team just matched up terribly against Kentucky. Right. And it was like, well, you know, why couldn't that have happened in the finals? You know, why couldn't the Wisconsin game be the finals? Whatever. But that's why the NCAA tournament is the most fun way to to end the season, and the but worst. the worst way right. to declare a champion. Right. Or I should say that it, the, it, the quote is, it's the best way to declare a champion, the worst way to declare the best team. Right. It, it's not the best team that wins 99% of the time. This year is the only year that it's it's happened in since, what, 2012? Yeah. And the, the funny thing, and that's kind of my, like, one of my stances on the whole thing as well is, like, you weren't winning the tournament. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not Villano- beating Villanova. Villanova was winning the tournament from the start. Once they were healthy... There was nobody beating Villanova. 
Right. Like, like even if Cincinnati, like, let's just say Cincinnati got there in, in front, instead of Loyola, are they the fourth favorite out of the final four teams? Because Michigan was rolling too then. Yeah. And yeah. As, I mean, at best, you're the third favorite. Right. And like kind of a heavy dog to both Kansas and Villanova. Yeah. So, so it's, it, 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 it is weird. It's just, I always look back on it when you, when, when, NBA stuff happens, right? And you look back and you're like, oh, wow, that team had these guys on that team, this college team. It's kind of like what happens now when you look back at the Butler-Duke game where it's like, no, Butler has the best player on the floor. Yeah, and a couple other guys that ended up carving out pretty nice NBA niches. And Duke really didn't. Yeah. Kyle Singler is really it. (laughs) Uh, It's just, I I just have a huge level of frustration with not a like the the journey in college basketball is gone like it, it it doesn't matter like it matters the only thing that your regular season matters for now in in general terms is your seating in the tournament that and if you're chasing history if right. you have a historic year to wear and i mean a historic year to where you're going undefeated right hey, people don't care if you are you know 29 and 4 entering the tournament no doesn't matter but if you're, you know, zero loss, one loss in the in the in the regular season, then then people are starting to get intrigued by you. Yeah, um, that just I I had to get that off my chest because you brought it up and it and it it the funny thing is is that the bar always moves. So right. like you know for Kentucky fans when when Cal got there it was getting back to the Final Four, but as soon as that was accomplished, that yeah, was too- no longer good enough. Right, the second seed, like by the end of year three, it was like, well, how is there only one championship? Right, and, it's like it's hard to win the championship. Right, and you know, <laughs> with with Cincinnati, it'll be more trips to the second weekend, and then if they get to the second weekend, it's why aren't we playing the Elite Eight more? Right, why aren't we in a Final Four? Why aren't we in a Final Four? We got to the Elite Eight, now let's get to the Final Four. Like that stuff is hard. I'm going to yeah. take a shot here, but the team across town has never done it. Like, yeah, it's hard. And even then, you want to talk about like the bar moving. Like, it sucks that like this year won't like they'll have the same feelings as yeah. Cincinnati fans. I and mean, it's just like no, like again, like you won the Big East for the first time. Like, you ha- you're the number one seed. Like, it's a year to celebrate. Yeah, but and I hope in a couple of years both teams are able to sit back and celebrate. I hope so as well. Uh, just to, to drive home the Xavier point. And this is this is the NCAA tournament. They are the the poster boy for the NCAA tournament and what we're talking about. They in the past three years they've had the two best seasons in school history, and both of those seasons ended in the second round. In between it, that, they had a team that lost six in a row and was one loss to DePaul from being out. They were the last yeah. team in the tournament, and they make the Elite Eight. Yeah. And the, and the years that they lost were kind of weird losses too, yeah. right? You had the Kana game winner at the buzzer, and then State comes back, and then similar to Cincinnati, you you blow a lead. And, like it, it, it's wild. But to Xavier fans, those two great seasons are dwarfed by a team that stunk for a lot of the year, that didn't live up to its potential for a lot of the year. Yeah, they had the Edmund Sumner injury, and they had some other things going on. But that team did not live up to expectation, but that's the team that's held in the highest regard yep. because they advanced, because they had the right path. It opened up for them. They win a big game against Arizona, and they make it to the Elite Eight. Like yep. it, That part just drives me nuts. 
It's why it's the best and worst event in all sports. Yep. Um, real quick before we uh, before we go, let's take a look at the AAC for next year. Um, I think at the top, you may or may not agree with me. I think at the top, there's three teams that you look at as these should be the top three teams in the league, and that's Central Florida because – with Aubrey Dawkins back, they should be able to score 58 points a game instead of 50. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But they've got Taco back. They've got B.J. Yeah. Taylor back. They've got a pretty good core of three guys. Um, So them, Cincinnati, w- with Kevin yep. Broom and Jaron Cumberland, I think Trey Scott steps into Gary Clark's role and, and has a really, really nice year. Um, And then Houston, which I- – I, I know that Rob Gray meant a lot to them, but they have a point guard in-house that, that's played a lot of minutes already. They have two guys on the wing that are really good in Brooks and Davis. They've got Fabian White inside, and I'm a big, big fan of the two transfers from UMass, Dijon Giroux and Bryson Gresham, Gresham, who was recruited by Cincinnati. I think Houston has a nice roster, and, and Kelvin Sampson is obviously a, a quality coach. Um, when there are no uh, communication rules. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree there's a clear top two in Central Florida and Cincinnati. I think Houston should be number three, but, you know, it wouldn't shock me if, like, a UConn ends up number three. Yeah. Um, I, I think Houston's closer to that tier of of teams of not the unknowns, but the more question marks. Uh, just because of, of how important Rob Gray was to that team. Agreed. Um, so I, but I, I, I do agree that it, it's a weird year. Me and you talked about this quickly before we hopped on. It's another weird year in the AAC where it's a lot of question marks and a lot of rebuilding in what should be a good way of rebuilding. Yeah. Um, you know, Wichita State completely overhauled their roster. I, they'll still be good. I and mean, Greg Marshall runs a great system. He gets his guys to play hard. They, they should be plenty talented, um, especially with McDuffie back. I think losing Reeves was a huge blow to them. Yeah, yep, that was. I think if they had McDuffie and Reeves, they would be right there with the three that we mentioned at the top of the league. But with only McDuffie, it's going to be interesting to see how that comes together with, what, nine new guys? Yeah, it's just I, – I think I trust – I might trust Marshall more than any other coach in the league of getting the most out of his players and, and getting them. Yeah. I'd say him and Mick are right there. One and two. Yeah. 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 So for he, sure he's going to have them by the time late January, early February rolls around. They're going to be okay. It's just a matter of what's on their resume. Can on they the way with, there? Like, can they withstand the out of conference? Yeah. Can, can they get, can they get one or two wins that maybe, you know, stick out and then, you know, can they just not screw up in AAC? Yeah, and as I agree with you on UConn. As most people know, I'm a I'm a Danny Hurley homer. Um, I've made, I, I've been friends with Danny for a couple of years now. He's a great guy. I think they've got some talent still. And they I do. Think he's gonna, you know, Jalen Adams is there for his 14th year. Um, he's he's the early captain on my. Actually, he's he's him or Phil Booth are my two picks <laughs> so far for my annual. How the hell are they still in college team? Yeah, I, I was convinced that he was that last year was his senior year. Yeah, but somehow he's still there. It's yeah. I think it doesn't help that St. Bonaventure also had Jalen Adams. Yeah, um, but they but they still have Christian Vital. 
they they got in Kasim Yakwe as a grad transfer that's yep. going to help protect the rim right away. Uh, Danny's a very good defensive coach as it is, and you give him an elite rim protector. They're going to be a sleeper for sure. I, 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 they might end up being in the top two by the time it's done. They might. They might. Um, and Memphis, who knows what happens there. Yeah. Again, they have a roster that has some talent and some intriguing pieces to it. We just don't, you just don't know what to expect from Penny. Right. I mean, it helps that he, he did add, outside of Mike Miller, you've got him and Mike Miller to recruit, and then he added some quality basketball guys to his staff, which is going to help them out. Um, I think he's going to be okay. I think it – I agree. I think it might take a year or two, but I – the guy is coached at a pretty high level in high school, so it's not – yes, it's different. I get it. But it's not like he's completely foreign. Yeah, basketball's basketball. Yeah, and and they won, what, three straight Tennessee State titles? That, he coached AAU, he yeah. had a part in AAU, and, you know, AAU does mimic college a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had a strong program there. And um, he has his Penny, So, Yep, and that's the key. That's going to be the key for him. Alex Lomax is a guy I love. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati recruited him quite a bit. Uh, he ended up committing to Wichita State. And then when Penny took the job, he wanted to come back and play for Penny. So they let him out. He committed to, to Memphis. He, he's not a great shooter, but the kid wins. I mean, the, the kid was the Gatorade Tennessee State High School Player of the Year as a sophomore and a junior. Yeah, and Tennessee has like – decent enough high school yeah. basketball to where that's a that's a big thing. I, I, I think the kid is going to be really, really good, and he's going to be that calming influence for Memphis over the next four years that makes them a tough out, especially at FedEx Forum. Um, the, the kid's probably played there 30 times already in his life. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's and that's key for the AAC yeah. because this is this is another important year for the conference because I don't think they're going to have a bunch of tournament teams, right? Like, and that's okay as long as UConn and Memphis show the ability to have some growth. Yeah. Right? Like if they show improvement and you're going, all right, they are a year away, you're feeling pretty good about the con- – you feel better about the conference. Look, Cincinnati and Wichita State are going to be there because of Mick and Greg Marshall. Yeah. They're, they're going to be there. Now, if you add Memphis and UConn back into that mix and you have an improved Houston and you have a relevant, at least somewhat relevant Central Florida and, you know, SMU, why can't they? I know that the sanctions are part of it. Why can't they get more than five guys? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because they should. Like, they have the NBA, you know, ties, right? Yeah. Like you look at, like, Semi Ojale, you look at Shake Milton, you look at, um, you know, those guys and go, all right, we can turn people into pros here. But you look at their roster, and again, it's a situation where outside of five guys, you can't name anybody on the team. No. Nope. Which is weird. It just, uh, and again, sanctions do play a role in that. Yeah. They've had weird luck with injuries and some like transfers. But yeah, it's, it's uh, like, well, why couldn't, like, what happened? Like, and I know Harry Froling's a weird case, but like, things like that it seem to be happening a little bit too much. But they're going to have another year where they're going to play six guys 40 minutes a game. Like yep. they're gonna they're gonna have a six man rotation again this year, and that, as we saw two years ago, that works if you've got two NBA guys and maybe you know a, a, an elite level glue guy. 
That, that was the thing. That's what they had. Yeah. They, they had those two NBA guys, and then they had just the perfect pieces. And really, they had three NBA guys because Shake was there. Yeah, yeah. And so they win the conference, and they were the best team in the conference that year. But that was playing with fire because they were one ankle turn from disaster. From five, right. And that happened this year. It did. And I think that's the key for the American is where if that happens, you're still not hurt as a conference. Like, the goal should be to have four or five consistent teams Mm -hmm. in the tournament with, you know, maybe you get four teams in and two teams on the bubble that just miss. And then you're considered one of the best six or seven conferences in the country. Right. I think you kind of solidify that number seven spot for sure. And in a couple years, you're into six, maybe five. Well, the thing is, if you're consistently putting four to five teams in the tournament every year, people can't take shots at you like the shots that have been taken. And in, in large part, that is because UConn and Memphis tanked. Yeah, and and they just haven't had that. They haven't had that consistency. No. And getting Wichita was a key thing for them because it did bring in that, that second consistent program. But now you need that those homegrown programs to turn into consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the future of this league – 100% rests on the shoulders of, of Penny Hardaway and Danny Hurley. Yeah, and I'd say UConn more than, than Memphis. Yeah. Memphis, they're going to – the talent is going to be there. For Hurley, the question will be – UConn's he, the name. UConn's the name for one. And can he recruit to this conference on the name? And I think Which he, he can. should be able to. I think he, he should can. be able to. It might not be at the level that it was 10 years ago. But, but it, really, he just needs to recruit similar to how he did at Rhode Island. Yeah. Like, Rhode Island... Would have been a great team in the AAC. Right, like that talent that he had at Rhode Island... With E.C. Matthews, Jared Torrell, and, and... Right, like that might win yeah. the league. If not, you're in the top three every year. Right. So, I think he can keep that up. I think the future is bright for both of those teams. And once they get back, then the AAC stops taking shots stops taking just you know random fire for and, and i'm i'm definitely guilty of that but yeah, it's also but it's warranted i would say it's also deserved like anytime someone wants to try to yell at me like you 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 just hate the AAC, my response is well why, why should i like them right like give me a reason to like it and they're like and the response was always you know oh well cincinnati and smu or cincinnati and wichita state it's like well that's fine but you're talking about you know, until this year, you're talking about teams that couldn't get above a five seed. Right. And I think they and figured out scheduling. That was key. They did figure out scheduling. Um, they've given themselves an opportunity to get those higher seeds, but you still, you still got to go twenty-eight and five to get there. Yeah. You and know? but now, but now, if you have that better league, you can afford those losses. Yeah, you can. Right, like we see it. We see it with this major, and let's be honest, the Big East is a Power Six conference now, and I know they don't. You know, people won't refer to it that way. The Big East, for all intents and purposes, in basketball, is a power conference. For the most you part, s- yes. You see those six conferences. You see that like there are losses in conference, and it doesn't kill those teams. Right. That's what the American needs. They're not there yet. No. Then they can be. And they and they can be there in a short amount of time. Yeah, I I, th- I still think this year they're probably a little bit short of that. Um, unfortunately, the bottom of the league is is an anchor. That and but that's fine. Like you can be the Pac-12. 
Yeah. Well, but they're not even the Pac-12 because the bottom teams are in like the 300s. And that's what I'm saying. Like you could try. Like you can try to be the Pac-12. Yeah. Or the bottom teams are 175. Right. Right. And you're in much better shape if the bottom teams are 175 because yeah, essentially yeah. you're you've got three or four buy games that are forced upon you in conference that that it kills the metrics. But we could go on and on and on on that for days and days and days. Um, overall, what's your what's your offseason take on Cincinnati before I let you go? Um, I think they're going to be a borderline top 25 team. Um, you know, I, if they're not in the top 25 to start the season, I'm not going to be shocked. If they're in the, like the 22 to 25 range, it makes sense as well. I think they'll be in and out. Um, you know, I don't see them as a title contender no. or a Final Four contender, but Again, this is a year where they should contend for the AAC title, both regular season and tournament, uh, obviously barring injury. Um, but I think this is a team that they'll be fun to watch because they have fun players, right? Like Cumberland's a fun player, especially yeah. when he's rolling. Kane Broom can be a fun player, you know, when he's taking care of the ball. Right. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be entertaining in that sense and where, again, like, if you're Cincinnati, you just want to win the league and then set yourself up for a path to potentially get to a Sweet 16, and I think they'll have that. But I think this is going to be one where, again, I, I don't know if they can get up to a two seed or a three seed. No, this probably, is looking more not. like a, a four to seven seed. Yeah, I would agree with that, and 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 they'll be in position to be dangerous in March, but they they've got to get it done. I mean, being in a position to be dangerous and actually being d- dangerous uh, have not aligned. If if they don't finish in the top three of the AAC, then it's a failure of a season. I'll say that. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. That should that should be the goal. Finish finish top three of the AAC. Your main goal being winning the conference. Yeah, I mean they have a top three roster, so right. you should finish where your roster allows you to finish. That should be in the top three. I would agree with you on that completely. Well, congratulations again on uh, on becoming full time the hardest working blogger in the uh, basketball world and, and you've expanded. You're not just college. Now you're, you're doing a bunch of pro stuff and uh, enjoy the time of Barstool sports. I know uh, I've been a long time fan and it's great seeing you added uh, for your hard work over there and uh, enjoy it. And I can't imagine how much chaos it is when you go to New York. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. It's, it's chaotic for sure. Bobby Regan, Barstool Regs. Thanks again for coming on, brother. We will uh, we'll, we'll get back with you sometime uh, once the season gets rolling. We'll talk some more. Sounds good. See you. All right. Thanks, man. Once again, Bobby Regan, Barstool Sports, Barstool Regs. Thanks to him for coming on, talking Jacob Evans, Gary Clark, Lance and LeBron on uh, the AAC this upcoming season. That's going to wrap it up. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.